yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Be happy for no reason, like a child. If you are happy for a reason, you're in trouble because that reason can be taken away from you. Deepak Chopra Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Starsaw Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Dia Hichivali, and I'm one of your hosts for today's show. Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit, with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use your funds for our outreach program. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself, wherever you listen to your radio or music. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio the largest radio network in the world. We also want to give a shout out to our producer, who is the founder and executive director of the Be The Star You Are. Cynthia Bryan was recognized and featured this week on the At Points of Light Inspiration Honor Roll. The Points of Light Honor Roll celebrates outstanding individuals who take action to help brighten communities and improve the lives of others. Since 1999, Cynthia Bryan has dedicated her untiring leadership to Be The Star You Are and its volunteers, without pay but plenty of passion. The George W. Bush Points of Light Awards honors those who demonstrate the power of service and who are driving significant through their everyday actions and words that light the path for other points of light. Visit the 2021 Honor Roll and meet the honorees at www.pointsoflight.org and Cynthia, this is well deserved. We have an amazing show planned for today all about science. In segment two, Nihal and I will be interviewing Pial Doshi, author of Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. In segment three, I will be reading a chapter called The Gift of Happiness. And now, Nihal will be talking all about happiness. Happiness is a state of mind. What makes one person may not make another person happy. For some, happiness can be watching the birds outside, 
or the bright sunshine, while for others, it is the birth of their child. Happen happiness even makes it into important sayings, such as don't worry and be happy, or even whatever you decide to do, make sure it makes you happy. That is so true. And there are so many quotes that are all over today. It's media all about happiness, so it's definitely an important part of um, modern day culture. So I was wondering, is your happiness dependent on other people or yourself? We can't depend on others. We have to look into ourselves for our own happiness. If we continue to look to others, we may have expectations and we may end up with disappointment. When we look into ourselves, we're in control and we can make changes which will equate into us getting on the right path to happiness. That is so true. And that's actually like the quote from today where you have to supply your own happiness because if there's a reason for you being happy, it can just be taken away. So I really agree with that. The next thing I was wondering, what are the small things in life that make you smile? It can be when someone compliments me about my new shoes or a new shirt I'm wearing. Or another thing that makes me smile is helping others, whether it's an elderly crossing the street, tutoring a young child, or even making food at the homeless shelter. And for some other people, it may be even getting a drink from Starbucks, such as a Frappuccino. But the key is being able to see the happiness, which is you smiling. That is so true, because um, it's really important to find happiness in just everyday things. You don't have to have like a major life event just for you to be happy. So I think it's important to just be happy all the time, even if it's even if the reason might seem really small. What yeah. are the things that you do for yourself to make you happy? If I'm having a gloomy day, I like to put on music and I listen to some upbeat music. Or I even like taking some swings at the golf course. And most importantly, I like surrounding myself with those that make me happy, such whether it may be family or friends. And I have discovered that laughter is the truly great in helping you feel good on a gloomy or a down day. I really agree with that. For, for me, I also like doing all those things. And also I learned that just smiling, like even if you're sad, just will trick your brain into making you think you're happy. So that's another good strategy. Yeah. So uh, the next question is, how does happiness affect our body? When we feel joy, we release dopamine and serotonin. And those people that have depression, they have low levels of these two neurotransmitters. And it has been shown that when one is happier, their brain works better. They feel more creative and engaged. They feel more... For, more awake and energetic. And also when our, we're happy, our body is relaxed. Our muscles are relaxed and we're not tense. And our breathing is also a lot slower too. And when others see us happy, it somehow catches on. And we are eventually in a room full of happy people. That is really true. And also another thing I want to add is that um, like happiness is really good for your immune system because those who are positive tend to have a stronger immune system and this is proven like scientifically mm -hmm. so what are some medical diagnoses dia associated with people that are sad or unhappy those that are sad or unhappy they could be diagnosed with dysthymia which is a persistent depressive disorder or they can be diagnosed with major depressive disorder 
which is often associated with anxiety. And many of the patients, they need to take medications to help with both the dopamine and serotonin. And it's at this time that either cognitive behavioral therapy or antidepressants may be needed to help the patient. And it's also important to have a good support system and finding different ways to cope. It's also important to get help when you're unhappy because it could be affecting your daily life. It could be things such as you losing interest in those things that you used to love doing or you having a lack of sleep or even when you sleep too much. And there's always someone there that can help and you and help you get back to a place where you feel happy and more energetic. That is really true. And it's really important um, that if you're not happy, it's really um, important to get back to the happy person you once were. Thanks, Nihal, for such an informative segment. Unfortunately, we are out of time today. Please share your love for more segments by donating on btsya.org. Keep listening for more as we interview Pial Doshi in the next segment. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Dia Hichifali, and today's show revolves all about happiness. In this segment, I will be interviewing Pial Doshi. Pial Doshi has a master's in creative writing, especially fiction, from the, sc- the new school in New York. Having lived in India, the UK, and the US, she noticed a lack of Indian protagonists in global children's fiction and one day wrote the opening paragraph to what would become her first children's novel. When she isn't writing or spending time with her family, you can find her nose deep in a book with a cup of coffee or daydreaming of fantasy realms to sell her characters off into. She loves the smell of old yellowed books. Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar is the first book in the Chronicles of Astrantia series. For more information, visit her website at www.payaldoshiauthor.com or follow her Instagram at pialdoshiauthor or on Twitter. 
Twitter at PLDRights. We are so excited to have you on the show, Ms. Doshi. Welcome to Express Yourself. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I apologize. I am nursing a cold, so I am really hoping to not sneeze in this interview. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, I get that too because it's spring allergy, so yes. that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I was wondering is if you could tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to write your debut middle grade novel, Rhea yes. and the Blood Yes, Ria and the Blood of the Nectar. Yeah, sure. Um, so, hi everyone. I'm Bayal Doshi. Uh, I am the author of middle grade fantasy, Ria and the Blood of the Nectar. I'm originally from Mumbai, India, and I moved to the U.S. about nine years ago to pursue my master's in creative writing from the New School in New York. And when I first thought about writing this book, I realized that I wanted to write a book that had Indian kids at the center of it. I wanted to see Indian kids as main characters, as protagonists, and I wanted, to th I wanted them to go on this amazing, fantastical quest where they got to be heroes and have magic and fight evil creatures and uh, save realms and just be the center of a story. And what I found is, especially in literature about underrepresented minorities, we end up having stories that skew more towards stories about pain and struggle and hardship. And while those stories are incredibly important, we don't see enough of happy stories, joyful stories with, you know, diverse characters and underrepresented minorities. And I wanted to write a story that did exactly that because I want kids who are, you know, South Asians and also from other um, underrepresented minorities to see that they too can be heroes and main characters of books and do these incredible, amazing things that uh, I only read about uh, white characters doing uh, all my life. And I wanted to change that. So I just wanted to write a happy, wholesome, fun, exciting adventure that had Indian kids doing these amazing things and Indian kids from India. So, you know, show a different side of the world that not many uh, get to read in books. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was what inspired me to write this book. I was like, you know, if Katniss Everdeen and Percy Jackson can go and do these incredible things, like why can't Indian kids? Yeah, I really like that message that you had. And I really resonate with that, actually, because I feel like even as I was growing up, like in movies and in books, I would never see Indian people. And if I did see them, they were always like a cliche, like like nerdy character. They weren't portrayed in like a way that I wanted to be portrayed in. So I really like I really like that message, and I really like how you actually saw a problem and you went forth and you actually did something to help it. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, we tend to be stereotyped and just typecast because, oh, we're Indian, so we all just have to be this one thing. And I, with this story, I wanted to you know, definitely have uh, them being Indian as a part of it, but it's not their whole defining quality, you know, it's just part of who they are. Uh, and there are also so many other things that are fully relatable to other kids. So yeah, I just wanted to show them as full complex characters that do these really cool things. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that it's great that, um, that you wrote this book where the characters that were the Indian characters, they kind of 
weren't fit in that into that stereotype and they kind of went on these adventures like like you stated already like Percy Jackson books and all those kind of books and those characters went on adventures how you kind of portrayed it in Rhea and the Blood of Nectar and I think that it's really cool that you did that and again like Dia said too that in movies or in TV shows when I watch if it's an Indian character they usually kind of fit into that stereotype of like being that kind of nerdy person or uh, or the side character yeah or or the best friend (laughs) yeah yeah or the best friend or like a side character and I think that it's I think that again like it's really cool that you wrote this book about these Indian characters that kind of went on this adventure like these other novels and stuff and another question I had was why were you drawn to kind of writing towards the middle grade or that kind of like group of people Yeah, so, you know, when I, again, when I had this idea for this story, I just was automatically drawn to writing middle grade, and I I knew that it would be a children's book. And I think the reason is because when I think back to my earliest memories, I think back to my time in middle school. Before then, it's, you know, stories my mom told me or my dad told me or my sister told me. But the memories and experiences that I vividly remember kind of start from that time in my life. And I think it's because middle school is that period when kids go from being children uh, into mini adults in making. I think they become hyper aware of the world around them. You know, that's the age where you start thinking about how you look, what the world thinks about you, who your friends are, who you want your friends to be. Um, You also start picking up nuances in, you know, social dynamics with your friends, with your family. Uh, You start picking up on things that don't seem quote unquote normal, like if your parents are fighting or if you get constantly compared with your sibling or you're not doing very well in, you know, a certain subject or you're not very good at sports and you just start having all of these thoughts and big emotions in you. And I find middle grade, uh, that age group is that age where it's a formative time in your life where you lay the foundation for who you will become eventually as an adult. And I just love that it gave me the opportunity to explore such deep, big human emotions. And at the same time, middle grade is that time where, you know, the kids are more than ready to suspend belief and logic and go on a magical adventure. And, you know, there are no rules. You know, I could do anything. I could let my imagination run wild because I knew that the kids would follow along for the ride. And so it's this wonderful sweet spot for me where I can talk about these complicated relationships and big emotions that kids have as they are going from 9, 10, 11, 12, just like Rhea in my book does. She has a complicated relationship with her mother. She doesn't have a dad and she's grappling with his loss. There are secrets around his death that nobody's telling her and that affects her. Um, And then her relationship with her brother, they are twins. And, you know, when they were kids, they were joined at the hip. But now as they've turned 12, you know, he's becoming more popular in school and he's more extroverted than she is. And, you know, he seems to be moving on with his life while she feels still stuck in the past and desperate for all of these answers in her life. And she doesn't have as many friends. And so I, it gave me the opportunity to delve into those subjects 
uh, while at the same time sending her off on this incredible adventure where she has to go save her brother and she has to battle all of these fantastical elements and find out that she has magic and just realize how to use it. Um, so I think that's why I love middle grade because it can it gives me the opportunity to be as childlike in my wonder and imagination, but at the same time tackle some very important uh, life themes and topics. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of really cool, and I agree with you that in middle school, kids are, like, even me when I was in middle school or in the middle grade, that you kind of start to pay more attention to the world around you, mm-hmm. and you kind of, you kind of focus on, like, different things. Like, in elementary school, is about going home and watching your favorite TV show or playing with your favorite toys. Yes. But, but in, like, the middle grade, you're kind of more focused on, oh, does my shirt look good? Do I want to wear this? Will I get made fun of for this? Or exactly. do I want to follow what my friends are doing? And I think that even when I was in middle school or in the middle grade, that it's kind of like a transition from being, like, a little kid to being, like, a mini adult. And then, I guess, going on to the other grades, you kind of you kind of build off that transition you had in like middle school. Definitely. And I feel like that's the age where you also want to start being independent, right? You don't want your mom to drop you off to too close to school. You want to, you know, you start wanting to have your own privacy and your own friends and, you know, you, you want to sort of move away from your parents. And that's, I mean, you, you don't want to go on a magical, fantastical adventure with your mom and dad tagging, tagging along either. Right. So this, it also gave me that free reign to be like, she can go off, you know, doing these things by herself uh, while it's not having to need her parents or her mother around her constantly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I actually felt like that too as like um, in middle school is when I stopped like really wanting to be like my parents like to be everywhere with me. And <laughs> I felt like I really appreciated independence and stuff. Yep. So, yeah, I was also thinking about diverse representation is really important to you and having a story with Indian characters and culture is something that drove you to write this book so what is it that you hope um, young readers take away from your story diverse representation is such a mission and now a passion for me Uh, and especially with this book when I first wrote the first draft of this book, which was uh, nearly uh, 10 years ago. I was 23 when I, you know, wrote down the first draft. I wrote all 70,000 words of it with white characters. And I had the, the setting of the book was entirely Western. And I didn't think at all for even a second about writing about my own culture and my own heritage and my own experiences. It just was very automatic for me to write about white characters and white kids. And I remember I was at a writing workshop and I read out the first chapter. I was so excited uh, and nervous about it and keen to know what the teacher would say about my writing style. And when I finished my chapter, she looks at me, you know, deadpan in the eye and she's like, why aren't you writing about Indian kids? And I remember being so upset. I'm like, you're not going to talk about, you know, my story and my plot and my writing stuff. You're just going to talk about the fact that I I didn't include Indian kids. 
But then as I thought about that, I was like, but why didn't I include Indian kids? Why am I not writing about India? Why am I not writing about what I know and what I've grown up in and spent my 23 years of my life in? Why am I writing about experiences I know nothing about? And I don't think it is wrong to write outside of your experience. By all means, uh, as a creative individual, you should and you should be able to do that. It definitely requires a lot more research and you need to do your due diligence if you write outside what you know. Um, but at the same time, it was the fact that I didn't think about writing about Indian kids from the get-go. It wasn't a choice I made. I just assumed that I'm, you know, if I'm writing a children's book, I'm going to write it with white characters instead in a Western country. And that's when I realized that when I was a kid, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, and that was the age that I fell in love with reading, um, that the books that I consumed were about white kids in Western settings, either in America or Britain. And it had subconsciously trained my mind into thinking that if I was going to write a children's story, those were the kinds of stories I had to write. And that realization really shook me. I now have a three-year-old daughter, and I don't want her to ever grow up thinking that if she wants to write a story, that she feels like she can't write about herself because India is not interesting or being Indian is not interesting. Um, I want her identity and experiences to be validated, and I want to see her, see herself in books. So for me, diverse representation is extremely important. I think that I want young readers, especially Indian and South Asian kids, to get a chance to see themselves represented in books, in literature. I want them to see themselves as main characters and heroes. And at the same time, I want all kids to see this book as a great, fun fantasy book, uh, irrelevant of the culture or the identity that the character comes from, because like I said before, when I was a kid growing up, if I thought to myself that books other than books that had Indian kids in it would be the books for me, that I wouldn't have read any book because at the time I had there were there were no books with Indian kids uh, in them, and especially as main characters or on the cover of books. And I loved reading the books I read. Uh, I connected with those characters completely, even though they were white and they lived in countries so far away from I did. Um, the, they ate different foods that I did. They you know, spoke sometimes in different ways. And I connected them wholeheartedly because it's a human connection. You know, when you read stories, you're connecting to a character, to the personality. You're not necessarily connecting to the fact that, oh, we have the same color hair or we speak the same language. Or, and like, that's not the extent of uh, relatab relatability at all. It's, it goes beyond that. And so that's what I want my book to also showcase is that you don't have to be South Asian to read my book and enjoy it. You can be from any culture and any ethnicity and any country, and you will still enjoy this book because it's about great kids and great characters. And at the same time, the cherry on the cake is for Indian kids such as yourselves and younger kids to see themselves represented in books as main characters. Yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway for the story to have because I think it would be really important for um, like South Asian kids or any kids who feel like they're not represented enough to have like a representation because it I feel like it also helps build pride within someone's culture because personally while growing up I always like like before I turn like 
I'd say even like before I was a teenager, I was really honestly embarrassed to be Indian, which is kind of sad to say, but that's just how I felt because I felt like it was just um, like, I don't know, just the way it was like portrayed. I just thought it was like not a good race to be part of. But now I'm so glad I've outgrown that phase in my life and I'm a lot more proud of my culture and I love sharing it with other people and it's like a big part of me now. So I'm really glad that I was able to overcome it. And I think having a book like this will also help other young kids overcome that whole, um, like help stigma. Them. Yeah. Stigma. You are absolutely right. Uh, that is, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. I want kids to be proud of their Indian culture and heritage. And just because we don't see the right kind of representation, we see such a one-sided representation and we get typecast into that, it becomes so hard to break out of it. And so you almost want to alienate yourself from it. And I'm so glad that, you know, you overcame that phase, but I think we all did. I did. I went through that phase as well back in India, even though I was surrounded by Indians and, you know, it just felt, uh, it felt uncool sometimes. And, I really want to change that. I think the more we see Indian kids in movies and books and TV shows and we see all kinds of characters and show us as as humans, you know, just like everybody else is in, in these full personalities, uh, really embracing our culture and heritage is how we can get uh, kids to be proud of who they are and where they come from. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And... Also, since the the characters in the book are Indian and you're also born in India, do you still have um, family in India that you visit? Yes, I do. In fact, my all my family is in India, and so is my husband's family. We have both of us have just uh, an aunt on each side that lives in the states. So my aunt lives in New Jersey and my husband's aunt lives in California and we're in Minneapolis. So we're not close to them, uh, but we visit them um, before the pandemic. We would see them at least once a year uh, in the States. But I go back to India every year because I'm very close to my family and uh, I have all my cousins and everybody back home. Yeah. So this has been the longest that I've been away. I, the last time I visited, I think I, I returned from India in Jan 2020. And I don't know when I'm going to go next, which is a little heartbreaking, but I'm, you know, crossing my fingers and keeping faith that things improve um, and that I will get a chance to uh, hopefully go by the end of this year or next year. Yeah. Uh, I also have my dad's uh, side of the family. He has some family that's in India too right now. And it, we used to go, I think I went when I was really little and I was, we were planning on going last summer to India, oh. but then COVID happened. So we yeah. couldn't go. And I have another question I do have for you is in India, it's kind of really bad right now with that pandemic. So how is your family in India doing right now with oh. the pandemic being so bad? Well, thank you for that question. They, you know, touch wood are doing well. Uh, my parents, both of them are vaccinated. My grandmother is vaccinated as well with both her shots. Um, and, uh, you know, they are homebound strict orders from myself and my sister. My sister's also there, so that's good. She keeps them in check. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a very stressful time. Um, it really breaks my heart to see the country suffering so much. And, 
you know, I think we are lucky that we have the privilege to be at home and, you know, stay indoors and maybe take some time off of work and stuff like that. But my heart really breaks for those, you know, who aren't uh, as privileged and lucky and who need a daily wage. And it's so hard to get by at this time when things are under lockdown and you're not allowed to step out and you can't even go and buy groceries. And so for those people, my heart really, really reaches out. But I'm, I, I feel very lucky that they are safe right now. They are indoors, they don't step out and they are vaccinated. And fingers crossed that, you know, it continues to stay that way. Yeah, I think that it's really good too that, you know, your family there, they're vaccinated and they're kind of like yeah. following a strict protocol because yes. I don't want to be like, nobody wants anything bad happening. And uh, I know that, yeah, I do also feel bad for the people that need the money to go to work every day, but yeah. they can't because of the pandemic and how it's so bad there. And yeah. hopefully everything there gets better soon and that way people can go back to their normal routine and people can also go visit there. And yeah, things get better there. Yeah. Yes. Fingers crossed. All, all hopes, good wishes, prayers, everything be sent there and, and world over everywhere where things are bad. Yeah. And another question I kind of have is, has your family seen your new book that you wrote? Oh my God, that's such a cool question because, I mean, they've obviously seen it on like WhatsApp and on videos and on uh, as, as pictures, but I sent them one copy and it has arrived and tomorrow is my mom's birthday. And so they're all meeting together, my sister, my mother, uh, my dad, obviously my best friend, they're all going to celebrate her birthday and nobody knows that the copy is there except my mom and my dad. And so they're going to do this grand opening where they will see the book uh, in person physically. So I'm so stoked and excited for it and it's going to happen tomorrow, but that will be the first time that they saw the book. And I saw my book about, I want to say maybe three weeks ago. So it isn't too far late that they're going to see the book but this will be the first time they they were going to be here for the uh, launch which you know sadly they obviously can't and so that was really sad when uh we realized that there was no way that they would be able to make it here for the launch so at least in this this way they get to see the copy and hold it uh which i'm really excited for and it's gonna happen tomorrow yeah that's that's really cool and First, I would like to say happy birth, early birthday to your mom. And, oh, thank you. And I think that it's it's going to be kind of cool since only your parents know. And then everybody else that's going to be is kind of like a surprise to them. So I yeah. kind of think that it's going to be really cool and hopefully it goes good. And yeah, and I would, I, I'm happy that they're going to be excited to see your new book tomorrow too. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm also really excited, and that sounds like um, a really good um, source of, like, happiness, because um, in India, the COVID is really bad, and I really agree, because on one hand, I'm so happy that in the U.S. it's getting better, and life is starting to get back to normal, but at the same time, and like, part of my brain is just really sad about India being so bad, like the COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And another question I had is recently um, Camilla Harris became the vice president of the U.S. And she is the first um, female vice president, especially the first person who is South Asian. So are you excited about that whole situation? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. 100 percent. It is fantastic to see a woman in office to begin with and to top it. With that, she's South Asian, she's part South Asian. I think that is incredible for the community. It is incredible for representation. It, again, breaks the stereotype that, you know, we end up, that people typecast us into. Uh, And I, I think she is inspiring so many young kids, not just Indian, South Asian, I think all kids, which is the beauty about representation, that we get to see ourselves in positions that we may not have known that we could have, that we could embody. And at the same time, when that happens, that inspires everyone, regardless of color and, you know, ethnicity and culture. So I, I'm so excited. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I was really excited because I really wanted a female president in the 2016 mm-hmm. election, and that didn't happen. So, I mean, I feel like every other country has had, like, a female president yes. at least once, except for the U.S. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. And also the fact that she's a woman of color also is, like, super exciting for me as well. Absolutely. It is, it is great. And it's about time. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of really cool that you know, she's our, again, our first female, female vice president and um, who kind of like, again, has like a heritage that kind of reflects South Asian. And I think that's really cool. And another question that I have is, how has like, your year been during the pandemic, especially having like a toddler and trying to write and work or kind of like what has like, how has your writing process kind of been? Well, it has been a little tough, I won't lie. <laughs> Having a toddler is a lot of work. Uh, and then she's also at home now the whole time, which is great. But it definitely is very challenging for me to write. So these days, my process is that whenever I find the time to just sit down and go, 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 just write whatever is coming to my mind. I am currently drafting the sequel and... I'm, you know, for me, first drafts are just notoriously hard. Uh, So I'm taking the pressure off of myself uh, in terms of the number of words I write in a writing session or the quality of words. My goal is to just reach the finish line and then worry about editing and, you know, making it as good as it can be later. So the writing process right now is whenever I can squeeze in an hour or two hours um, to sit down and just write. Some days I write 200 words. Some days it's 2,000 words. Um, and some days it's no words at all. Uh, but I try to always be thinking about my story if, I'm not, if I don't get the chance to write it. Uh, and so to always have that at the back of my mind. So I'm still, I, I'm still connected to the story in some sense, whether I get a chance to write or I don't. So that's my writing process right uh, right now. It's been wonderful having the family at home. I, I won't lie. I, I almost don't want it to get back to fully normal where 
my husband goes off to work and, you know, my daughter's in school. I, I kind of like having the nest at home, but at the same time, it comes with certain challenges. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I kind of, this pandemic kind of, it's been kind of nice to have everybody at home too, even though I would not want a pandemic and kind of yes. have everybody in normal routine, but it was kind of nice to have everybody at home. And it's kind of good that you kind of took that like the pressure off when in, during your writing sessions to not write a so like a certain amount of words or meet a certain goal and just kind of finish it. I think that sometimes that's a good thing to just have one goal and that's just finish the thing. And um, another question that I kind of had is when can we expect to see the next book in the Chronicles of Astronthia series? And is there anything you can tell us about it? Yeah. So the next book, the sequel, is scheduled for a fall 2022 release. Uh, the Chronicles of Astranthia is a trilogy, so there will be a third book as well. Um, and what can I tell you about the second book? So I'm still drafting it, and it's in the in the first draft. So, you know, don't hold me to it. Things might change. But uh, I'm very excited about a brand new character that I have written that's going to be a pivotal character in the book. And this character has many shades of gray, uh, which I had a lot of fun writing about, and I hope readers will enjoy reading about as well. And I would say that this the sequel just gets bigger in terms of scale. Uh, we spend a lot of time, uh, practically all of the time, in this fantastical world of Astranthia. In the first book, there's back and forth between Darjeeling, which is, you know, in India on Earth, and Rhea's quest in Astranthia. But in the second book, we're largely in Astranthia. So it's, um, we're going to spend more time here, see more of their life there. They begin school in Astranthia. So uh, we'll see more of those dynamics between the group. Uh, we're also going to get a set of new kids entering the equation, so I'm excited about that. There's going to be a battle, and there's going to be some unfinished business that will need to be finished. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it's, you know, it's bigger, it's bolder, it's darker, um, and hopefully uh, a really fun, enjoyable read. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And um, I wanted to end the segment with one last question. So you wrote that you love Disney. So, so um, what are your favorite Disney movies? The Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney movie of all time. I love Ariel. Uh, for a long time, I thought Prince Eric would be my boyfriend when I was a kid. I will make that very clear <laughs> um so i love the little mermaid i love the lion king um those two are are my favorite absolute favorite disney movies um yeah yeah i love the classics those are i can watch them time and time again even today yeah, I agree with that. I also loved Little Mermaid. And I'd also like to thank you so much, Miss Doshi, because unfortunately we are out of time for this segment. But I absolutely loved your conversation today. Please be sure to check out her book called Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. Thank you so much, guys. I had such a wonderful time chatting with the two of you. This was great. Yes, again, thank you, Miss Doshi. And be sure to check also check out her website at www.pay 
payalldoshiauthor.com. And keep listening for more as I continue our conversation about happiness in the next segment. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about happiness, and in this final segment, Dia will be reading a chapter called The Gift of Happiness. Take it away, Dia. It had been a really horrible winter. Rainy, cold, gray, and depressing. We were outdoor kids and had spent one day too many indoors. We were very unhappy and sure it was all our parents' fault. So, the first rainless day in March, my sisters and I decided to run away from home. We told mom and dad about our plans to go find sunshine and happiness. But the chuckle, they asked if we needed help packing. We responded, we're old enough to pack our wagon ourselves. We were three, four, and five years old respectively, and living on a big ranch far from the matting crowd. We had no idea where we were going. We just knew that we had to get out of this place to be happy. Our grandparents had bought us a big red wagon with removable wooden sides for Christmas, and we were eager to try it out. The packing began. All the essentials of our life. Our dolls, toy cash register, dinosaurs, pogo sticks, jump ropes, playphone, puzzles, picture books, Many pool tool set, stuffed animal, hula hoops, Monopoly money, rock collections, a pair of worn out roller skates, a plastic shovel, and of course, our badly our battered chair tricycle, which was tied to the back of the wagon. It took most of the day to get ready, and we had many important decisions to make and couldn't agree on the necessities for a trip. Items like Food, water, clothing, blankets never crossed our minds. Finally, we were ready. Excitedly, we kissed our parents goodbye and told them we were off to Wonderland. They acted as if running away was a common occurrence and wished us a safe and happy journey. 
Mom handed us a sack of sandwiches she had packed, and Dad suggested we take along our dog, Bullet, named after the dog of Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, of course, to protect us and play with us. With cowboy hats on our heads and holsters on our hips and our sick horses as our mode of travel, we started off singing, and happy trails to you, as we pulled our heavy load. The tricycle caboose wouldn't cooperate, so Patty decided to sit on it and steer, while Debbie pushed the wagon and I pulled. The dirt road was bumpy, and the potholes were deep and full of muddy water from the rains, but we plugged along, cheerfully. Then, suddenly, we saw heaven ahead. Mustard, tall yellow spires blanketing the fields, beckoning us to come play. Breaking into a run, we dashed off towards the beacon of springtime. The mustard plants were taller than any of us, and we saw heaven ahead. We could not stand and not be seen by each other a few feet away. This is it, we exclaimed. Let's set up house. As we unpacked our valuables, we stomped around in the mustard, making room for each of us and putting everything in a special place. This is the kitchen, this is the porch, this is the living room, this is the bedroom, this is the garage. We laid down in the mustard and rolled around, inhaling the pungent fragrance of this intoxicating plant. How lucky we were to find such a paradise. Our dolls and stuffed animals loved it too. Bullet found squirrels to chase and barked with enthusiasm. The sounds of rushing water filled the air and we wandered over to the creek. There we found miners, lettuce, dandelions, wild strawberries, and watercress growing. Pretending we were pioneers, we made a salad using our dolls, utensils, and settled in for our first meal together. Of course, it was absolutely delicious. Our shoes came off and we waded into the water. But it was too cold to think of swimming or catching pollywogs. We quickly decided that throwing rocks would be a lot more fun. Lots of wildflowers, shooting stars, lupines, and poppies adorned the banks. And we quickly picked big bouquets for our home in the new mustard fields. The rest of the day was spent playing hide-and-seek in the mustard arranging and rearranging our treasures and hunting for new rocks. Time just sped by, and before long, it was dark. The moon came up, and the night sound sent shivers down our backs. None of us dared show any fear. After all, we were happy. The coyotes howled, the owls hooted, and Bullet barked at the night foraging rabbits. At first, we had retreated to our separate mustard bedrooms, but soon the three of us curled up together and countered the stars while Bullet was posted at sentry. We decided that this day was the happiest day of our lives, but we still wondered if Mom and Dad missed us. None of us knew when it was that Daddy came to get his girls. We woke up in our own beds in the morning, the smell of Mom's cooking wafting from the kitchen. At breakfast, we all agreed that we had indeed found the promised land far away, and we shared the stories of our thrilling adventure with our parents who listened with rapt attention. We didn't realize that our enchanted faraway world was only a mile down the road on our own property. We had never left the ranch. 
there truly is no place like home. That day, I learned that happiness is an inside job. Happiness occurs within our own hearts. It is not external. No one can make us happy, but cruelty and insensitivity can make us very unhappy. We can all help each other avoid unhappiness by eliminating hateful worlds, cruel deeds, and abusive looks. However, anyone who assumes that other things and uh, things and people can make them happy will forever be disappointed. We are responsible for our own happiness or sadness. Perhaps the key to happiness is having dreams. Success can be defined as making dreams come true. Sometimes we need to do something different to reawaken the happiness that already dwells in our souls. My sister and I wanted to find a land of sunshine. By setting out on our own journey, we were making a dream come true, though there was no more sunshine down the road than where we had started. Our parents, in their wisdom, allowed us to go. They knew that no one could give us happiness. We had to find it ourselves, a gift that must be discovered within. Why do so many people think that happiness is outside themselves? The average child encounters 431 negative messages every day. Don't do that. You're too young for that. You've told a thousand times not to do that. Give me that. You'll hurt yourself. It's hard to find inner exuberance when you're bombarded by negativity. Our mom and dad wanted to help us find our own happiness by encouraging our search. I said that you can't make anyone happy, but... You can help them find the happiness within. Give your friends and loved ones permission to make their own mistakes. Perhaps sometimes just saying, offering a smile to a stranger, you affirm that happiness exists. I love George Eliot's saying, wear a smile and have friends or wear a scowl and have wrinkles. Smiling is infectious, so pass the smile bug around. Happiness and sadness are intertwined. Too much sun can create a desert. Too much rain brings floods. A balance is essential for growth. Abraham Lincoln said, um, What makes you happy? A sunset, beautiful music, the smell of flowers, or dinner cooking. So that was the end of the chapter I'll be reading today. And I would like to say that I really like this chapter. And I think I really like the little anecdote at the beginning. And I think it has a really important message for happiness. Thank you, Dia. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Choose to be happy. That is the only way to be happy. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel.
Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself.